Thank you so much, uh, Christy. Good morning again, everybody. It is great to um, be with you all. Thank you for your, for your welcome. Thank you, too, for all that you do as a congregation um, for Cape and Ray. You may not know this, but you do. You lend us Christy uh, in our winter school. He comes and teaches on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Ian comes and teaches on the book of Proverbs. So thank you so much for letting them come to us to do that. You welcome students uh, Sunday by Sunday and just the ways in which you express partnership generally to us, we love. Um, our, our relationships and network with local church are very, very important to us. Part of the Cape and Ray mission statement is that we're equipping men and women for service in God's church worldwide. And, and having the partnership of local churches as we do that is just essential. So thank you uh, very, very much indeed. Well, as we've heard, Pentecost Sunday. Um, obvious, the obvious passage will be Acts chapter 2. We're not going to look at Acts 2. We're going to look at Ephesians 5. But of course, Ephesians 5, so you might want to turn that up if you've got your Bibles. We'll be looking particularly at um, 18 through 21. Uh, but of course, Ephesians 5 is only possible um, because of all that happened in Acts chapter 2. And, uh, and Acts chapter 2, is, of course, is the fulfillment. The coming of the Spirit at Pentecost is the fulfillment of passages like Ezekiel 36, 26. Um, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and keep my laws. And what happens on that first Pentecost is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Uh, A new heart, hearts of stone replaced with a heart of flesh. A spirit that enables us, the spirit that enables us to follow uh, the decrees. I loved Christie's prayer just as we opened. It's It's the spirit who's going to... Bring his, his breathed out word alive into our lives again. He's alive and he's with us. And, and of course, we see the reality that that's what happens to human beings. It happens to Jesus. Jesus is described uh, early in his public ministry in Luke's gospel as being full of the Holy Spirit. If he is the, the, the perfect human life and the Spirit does in, in the life of Jesus uh, what he wants to do in our lives, then if Jesus is full of the Spirit, we too will be full of the Spirit. And we see that with descriptions of people like Peter or Barnabas or Stephen, who I think five times in Acts is described as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So whatever this thing is that we're going to think about this morning, it's, it's for us. In John 7, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, and I'm going to guess, I don't know, but I'm going to guess that's all of us in the room. I don't know that, but I'm, I'm going to assume that everybody in the room has trusted the Lord Jesus for their salvation, has trusted the Lord Jesus with their life. I'm assuming that all of us in the room have put our trust in Christ for our present and our eternity because we've trusted that his finished work on the cross is sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins and his resurrection life is now our resurrection life. If we've believed on him in those ways, if we've trusted him, then this is true. Whoever believes in me, he says, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he said that about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit hadn't been given because Jesus hadn't been glorified. But now he has, he has been glorified, he has been crucified, and he's risen, and he's ascended, and he has sent the Holy Spirit. Uh, so that is true of you if you've believed on the Lord Jesus, according to the Lord Jesus, streams of living water are flowing from you. And that's the, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to think about what it means to, to, as a congregation for that to be the reality, to be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. We just, let's just backtrack very slightly. Um, uh, uh, any doctrine of the Holy Spirit needs to be based on a sound doctrine of the Trinity, doesn't it? And we're not going to try and do both of those this morning. Otherwise, we would still be here next Sunday morning and probably beyond. So just briefly, can I just point to you a couple of books that I found so helpful on the Trinity? So this is Mike Reeves, who, um, who leads a Bible college in the UK. Uh, and he's written a book on the Trinity called The Good God. It's a little book, but it's thick and it's rich. It's brilliant. And he says this, it's only when you grasp what it means for God to be a trinity that you really sense the beauty and the overflowing kindness, and isn't this a great phrase, the heart-grabbing loveliness of God. It's only when you grasp what it means for God to be a trinity that you understand the heart-grabbing loveliness of God. And, and what he means, of course, is that we have a God who is one, but as we've sung and thought so beautifully already this morning, we have a God who, within his oneness, is plural, is three, is community. And there has been this eternal, loving union between Father, Son, and Spirit. So our God, within his oneness, is also a God of interdependent, other-centered, loving community. And, and that's why we're here. Because out of the outflow of the love of Father, Son, and Spirit has poured creation and has poured you. So you and I, we are outpourings of the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A little bit like kids are the overflow and the outpouring of the love of their mum and dad. It's that same idea. Because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have loved each other so richly and so fully for all of eternity, it's out of their love that we have been created. That's, that's how heart-grabbingly lovely God is. Without Trinity, there's no love in the cosmos. Um, and I'm, I'm personally pretty glad there is. Or here's Tim Chester in his book, Delighting in the Trinity. The persons of the Trinity share one divine nature. It's a community of being. God is not a solitary individual, but a divine community. God is persons in relationship and that is why relationship is so important to you and that's why it's so important to me that's why the cruelest thing you could do to a human being is lock them up for a long time on their own Uh, we are built for community we're individuals built for community because we're made in the image of the god who is both one and and who is three i know you know that but just as we jump into thinking about the spirit it might just be good for us to do a little bit of, of of trinitarian um groundwork together before we do that now, um, have you tracked the, the, the beauty of John 14? We've already seen it on the screen. Uh, Christy put it up, bits it up for us earlier. But, uh, but here's John 14. Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate, another one just like. You know when you've got your box of quality streets at Christmas, and there's a little thing inside it, and it says, occasionally it may be necessary for one of the suites illustrated to be replaced by another of equal quality. In the Greek, that's what the another word means. It means one just the same as, one just like. So Jesus says, I'm going, but I'm asking the Father, and he's going to give you an advocate. That means defender, or as Christy said earlier, some translations would, tra- would translate that as comforter, or it could be translated as friend, uh, because that's the paraclete word. It was originally used of little boats that would come alongside bigger boats, and draw alongside them and steer them in safely into harbour. A friend who drew alongside you to help. And that's the word that in John's Gospel Jesus uh, is described as using of the Holy Spirit. He's our defender. 
He's our comforter. He's our advisor, our counselor. He's our friend. He's the one who comes alongside us to help. And of course, he does more than that, doesn't he? He doesn't just come alongside us. He actually comes within us. I'm giving you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. He lives with you and will be in you. So if you believe on the Lord Jesus, I've already seen, his spirit lives in you. And then what the spirit does is he doesn't just come himself because God is three and God is one. Where we have one person of the Trinity, we'll have the others as well. So when the spirit is in us, Jesus is in us as well. I will come to you. The Spirit's coming to you, and therefore, I am coming to you. Uh, on that day, you'll realize, Jesus says, verse 20, I am in my Father. That's that the intimacy of the Father and the Son is that the Son is in the Father. That's how intimate they are. And then he says, that's the kind of intimacy you're going to have with me. So you'll realize that I'm in my Father, and you are in me. We are in Jesus, and he is in us. So just think this morning for a minute. Just picture, where are you this morning, right now? Where are you? You are here, and you are in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, simultaneously. Both those things are true. We're all here, and if we're in Christ, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, that's where we are as well. We couldn't be in a safer place. We're in the safest possible place in the whole cosmos. And as if that's not great enough, he is also with us. He's in us. So if, if Jesus is in the Father and Jesus is in us, does that also mean that the Father is in us as well as the Spirit and the Son? Answer, yes. Verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching and my Father will love them and we, Son and Father, will come to them and make our home with them. So the amazing reality of this Pentecost Sunday, as we remember it, it's true of course every single day of our lives if we're in Christ, is that right now, we are human beings indwelt with the Holy Spirit, which means the Spirit, the Son, and the Father, the creator of the cosmos, are living within us. I don't know about you, but I, just, I could spend the rest of my life thinking about that. I could spend the rest of my life thinking about that. So it's no wonder, is it, that when Paul writes to a silly, um, squabbling, petty, selfish, inward-focused church who are just getting a thousand and one things wrong like the kind of churches that I'm part of, I couldn't possibly comment on this church because I think you're brilliant, but, uh, but the, the, isn't it great that we get the Holy Spirit inspiring letters to Corinth? Because however bad your church is, it can't be as bad as Corinth, okay, which is such an encouragement, isn't it? And look at what Paul says. He says, there is jealousy and there is quarreling among you. You are worldly. You're spiritual, he said. You, you, the Spirit's in you. You're Christians, you're brothers and sisters, start of 1 Corinthians 3 but you're behaving like you're not. And look at the phrase he uses. Are you not acting like mere humans? Isn't that a great phrase? Why are you acting like you're only human beings? Because you're not. We're not only human beings. We are human beings indwelt with the spirit of the creator of the cosmos. We're human beings indwelt with the spirit who has brought us the Son and the Father. And that has to, surely that has to make a massive difference, doesn't it? On the way that we do church, as, as just one example. And that's what we're going to think about. So here's, the, the, all that was the introduction. Here are the verses that we are going to uh, just focus on this morning, okay? So Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. So Paul says, and he, so this, I think, is one of the ways in which this cashes out 
in churches. Okay? So, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, because that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then he describes what that looks like for a church. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, because, as Alec Matthias used to say, the reading of the scripture is the only part in any service you can be absolutely sure is inspired, let's just read it again, okay? Because everything else might be nonsense that I say, but this isn't, okay? Um, It's warm in here, and if the person sitting next to you is dozing off, nudge them, because this is too important to miss. Not this, this, okay? This. Give them a nudge. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, all I want to do for these few minutes this morning is think about this little phrase and, and the stuff that follows. So let's think about this, this phrase, be filled. Okay? Now, in, in the Greek, which is a beautiful and flexible and deep and rich language, um, it's, it, it can pack a lot into a very short phrase. So, be filled in the, in the original is plural. So he's not talking to individuals, he is, but he's talking to individuals within a community. So he's talking to a church. So this is to all of us. Whatever this is, it's for you and it's for me. We are all to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And also in the original language, it's not just plural, it's imperative, which those language students amongst you know is a command. It's a must. Okay, it's a must. So all of you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, rich, rich language. It's not just plural and it's not just imperative. It's also present continuous. You should, this is something that's happening all the time. The baptism of the Spirit, in my understanding, is what happens when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you trust on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, he takes you and he immerses you in the Holy Spirit and you start to take on the Spirit's characteristics. And and that happens at the start of our Christian lives. But the continuing relationship with the Spirit is the filling of the Spirit. This is happening all the time, every day, every moment, if we're open to him. It's present continuous. So it's plural, all of you. It's imperative, you must. It's present continuous, keep on being filled. And it's also passive. It's the passive tense, which means this isn't something that we do this is, is done to us. Now, we have to be willing recipients, don't we? We have to do things like open ourselves up to be, I don't know, cut by the sword of the Spirit on a daily basis uh, so that we can hear God speaking to us. We have to be open to the filling of the Spirit. But this is what God does to us. We don't fill ourselves. God fills us. So just have a little look at that. 
Be filled with the Spirit. It's for you and for me, all of us. It's for, it's for CFM as a church. This is a command originally given to a church. It's, it's a must. It's not an option. It's a must. It's, it's present continuous. It's happening today. It's happening this week. It's happening next Sunday. This is happening all the time. And this is what the living God longs to keep doing for each of us. Uh, when John Stott comments on, on this passage, he suggests that we could interpret it, translate it like this. If it was a really clumsy English translation, it would be this. All of you must keep on allowing yourselves to be filled with the Spirit all the time. That's Ephesians 5.18b. If we unpack all the implications of the original. Uh, that's plural imperative, present continuous, passive. Uh, and then Stott says, it's implied that to be full or filled was a normal characteristic of every devoted Christian. So if you want to think of yourself as a devoted Christian, this should be the norm for you and for me. And it should be the norm for our churches. And I'm sure it is the norm for this church. So let's just be encouraged in that. And I find this a really helpful verse too. Jesus saying to dads, you dads in the room, saying to dads, if you though you are evil, if you're sinful, if even though you sinful dads know that when your kid asks for a fish, you don't give them a snake, and when they ask you for an egg, you don't give them a scorpion. If you, if you dads, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We have a Father who longs and loves to give us the Holy Spirit. I sometimes think Satan wants to uh, fool us on this one, doesn't he? The Holy Spirit is for people, but not, not people like you. The Holy Spirit is, is for churches, but not churches like yours. The Holy Spirit is for people, but, but not people who, who think like you do or go to the conferences that you do. It's got to be a different kind of Christian who receives the Spirit. I think Satan will often tell us there are hoops we have to jump through to really receive the Spirit. And I don't think the Scriptures say that at all. The Scriptures say we have a Father who just loves to give us the Spirit. He just loves to give us the Spirit. So let's, let's receive him. So let's just go back to this for a few more minutes before we finish. So, so there's our verse, okay? And, uh, and that's be filled in there. Um, plural imperative, present continuous, passive, and so on. Now, let's just, let's just see from those verses, what does it look like in a church if this congregation is filled with the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 5? Well, let's have a look. First of all, it, this will not be a loss of self-control. So Paul contrasts being drunk on alcohol to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and he wants to make it clear, alcohol makes a human being, alcohol in excess, makes a human being less than they are. Alcohol chemically is a depressive. Uh, alcohol will, will, in excess will make us do things we'd never do when we were sober. I used to be a high school teacher, and, and I remember one assembly, very, in a hall, it was a big, big school, 2,000 kids, so slightly bigger hall than this. Monday assembly. Um, all the kids come in, and, uh, and the head teacher comes and stands on the stage with a police officer in uniform, which was unusual. And, uh, and all the teachers stood around, the, stood around the outside thinking, this looks serious. And the head teacher looked super angry. And he was, because what happened over the weekend was it was a split-site school, there was a park in the middle, a pond in the middle of the park. It was spring, there were ducklings on the pond, and, uh, and the ducklings had been killed over the weekend. Somebody had come in and torn their heads off. And, um, and the police obviously had been called and were investigating, and there was CCTV in the park, and the police had looked at the CCTV, and it was teenagers who'd done it, and we were the only school in the town, 
And so the police were in looking at the CCTV, asking the staff, Do you, are these kids in your school? And they were. And one of them was in one of my classes. And you have never seen a 14-year-old boy so ashamed of himself. And, and, of course, what happened was they'd got smashed on Saturday night on high-alcohol cider, cheap cider, and they'd done stuff drunk that they would never have done sober because alcohol is a chemical depressive. It just makes you less than you are. And Paul says, that's not the spirit. The spirit is the opposite. The spirit is the best natural stimulant available um, on earth. The spirit will make us more than we are. The spirit leads us to be self-controlled. We know that, don't we, from the list of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. We know it from Paul saying to the prophets in Corinth, the spirits of prophets are under the control of the prophets. The prophet, those with the prophetic gift in Corinth, they are under control of their gift. They can decide when they start and when they stop. When, you, when you're filled with the Spirit or you're using the gifts of the Spirit, you're not out of control. You're in control. So, so whatever this is, it's not a loss of, of self-control. We're going to grow in self-control. One of the things that that student wrote in her testimony was exactly that. Uh, I, she, she used a phrase like, my life felt out of control before I got to Cape and Ray. And then as I started to encounter Jesus more and more fully, I grew, I grew more and more and more under control. That, that's, that's great, isn't it? Anyway, let's do some positives. It's not all negatives, is it? So uh, it's, it's, it's not a loss of self-control. What is it? Well, being filled with the Spirit is, is going to lead to, according to Paul, deeper fellowship. We're going to speak to one another with psalms and with hymns and with songs from the Spirit. Um, I, I loved Christy's opening this morning. Uh, no Holy Spirit, no chain on the bike. We ain't doing nothing without the Spirit. And, and what we've done today, we have sung psalms, hymns, and whatever your d- definition of songs from the Spirit is, I suspect, Paul, he might mean songs that are just sung spontaneously under the inspiration of the Spirit. I suspect any Christian songwriter would want to say, hey, any song I write is a song from the Spirit. I'm not writing songs without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So whichever one of those it is, what we have been doing today is evidence that we are filled with the Holy Spirit because we are speaking to one another with psalms and with hymns and with spiritual songs. The urge to come together and to sing God's praises together is part of the the fruit of being filled with the Holy Spirit. What else? Well, we're going to sing and make music from our hearts to the Lord. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is going just to lead to deeper worship. And, and in that first phrase, Paul seems to be envisaging the kind of corporate thing we're doing here. That second phrase might mean the more spontaneous kind of worship, which you might experience as you're going home today and you're singing in the car. Or if you're out this afternoon and, you, and you're walking down a riverbank or the canal bank and you're just glorying in God's nature. Or you're just thanking God for a bank holiday Monday if you are blessed enough to have one of those ahead of you uh, tomorrow. Um, th- you might just be prompted to deeper worship. Uh, Jeff Vanderstelt in his book Saturate, which is actually about church, uh, he uses this phrase, which I love. He says, God wants, to see, God wants us to see that all of life, every aspect of it, is a good gift from him. He wants our hearts to cry out, God is so good, in the middle of everyday life. 
He wants us to eat and play and create and work and celebrate and rest and relate to one another for his glory. That's what I think Paul means uh, in, in that phrase, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Whatever it is you're doing for the rest of, of this day, whether we're eating, playing, creating, working, celebrating, resting, or relating to one another, we do it for his glory, sh- just shouting out praises from our hearts to him. And if you do that, that's an evidence, according to scripture, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So being filled with the Spirit is for all of us. Uh, being filled with the Spirit is not something we do, it's something God does to us. We, we need to be willing and open. And what does it look like in churches? Well, it looks like just some of the basic stuff that we do, week in, week out. We, we uh, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. We sing and make music from our hearts to the Lord. We give thanks to God the Father for everything. We, it leads us to a deeper gratitude a deeper gratitude. Have you felt that in your life? That as, as you draw closer to Jesus, and as you grow in your understanding of what it is Jesus has done for you, you actually grow more grateful. Have, have, you, have you sensed that in your own life? That the filling of the Spirit, and part of the transformation into the likeness of Jesus, is just a growing gratitude. Uh, an attitude of gratitude, rather than a, a kind of attitude of snarkiness or or, uh, you know, or just cynicism or bitterness. But the more that we understand of what Jesus has done for us as the Spirit reveals it to us, and the more we are transformed into his likeness, the deeper our gratitude gets. Uh, Matthew Henry, the Bible pastor, the, co- the pastor and Bible scholar and commentator, we still use Matthew Henry's commentaries sometimes at Cape and Ray. Uh, you might have them on your shelf at home. Henry once was driving home um, to his, um, from a, um, a meeting in his little horse and carriage. And, uh, and he got held up by four highwaymen. And they stuck a flintlock pistol in through the, the door of his carriage. And they said to him, give us your money or we blow off your head. And he very wisely handed over his purse. And these guys disappeared into the night. And very shaken, Henry rides his, his buggy home, stables his horse, puts his little buggy thing in the garage, goes up to his study, lights his candle gets his journal out, writes his nightly journal before he goes to bed, like he does every night, his prayer journal. And in it, he writes this, Lord, thank you that although they took everything I had, it was not much. Lord, thank you that they took my money, but not my life. And Lord, thank you that I was the one robbed, not the one doing the robbing. Shuts his journal. That was it. That's all he wrote. The night he was mugged, he's got three thank yous for God. Um, I'd just been teaching that a few years ago, and I was, uh, I was packing up to go home. I was at Cape and Ray before I worked there. And, um, and I got a phone call from my sister, and she said, um, Dad's dying. Dad had been in hospital in Stockport, and, he was, and, the, stop, and the, the hospital had rung him and said, he's, he's on a DNR, don't res- do not resuscitate. He's, uh, he's unconscious. We don't think he's going to last the night. Um, can you get here? And normally I'd be in Exeter, so, so it was actually kind timing that I was only an hour away up here. So I jump in this hire car I had for the week, hot-foot it down to Stockport. Stepping Hill Hospital, if anyone knows it, has the most unfriendly car park in the world. It's like someone's designed it to say, how difficult could this be to park in? Um, so I'm, I'm in this unfamiliar car, trying to reverse into this car park space in Stepping Hill Hospital, anxious. It's like midnight, eager to see my dad before he dies. And I reverse this hire car into a concrete pillar. And I'm ashamed to say the first word out of my mouth was not a good word. 
Um, and then I think I felt the Spirit prompt me, go, come on, you can do better than this. A mark of being filled with the Spirit is gratitude. So I prayed, Lord, thank you that I have just backed into a pillar and not a person. Thank you, Lord, that I have just backed into a pillar and not another car. Because the pillar, I don't need to leave my details with the pillar. Uh, his insurers won't be in touch with me. It makes life slightly simpler. And, Lord, thank you that although this will be expensive, I, we can afford this. We, we'll, we'll be able to afford it. It's not the end of the world. And just that act of gratitude in the midst of, of relatively low-scale horribleness in the course of these things, I just felt my, my kind of spirit sing with the spirit. And I went in and, and did see Dad before he died, and he did die that night. But, um, yeah, but that, that's vivid for me. Deeper gratitude is a mark of being filled with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean we have to be positive about everything all the time. We don't have to be Pollyanna. Okay? We're not pretending everything's fine, because it's not. But in, in the midst of the, of, the, of the junk that happens in our lives, there's a gratitude that's emerging to God. And then the final one is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, according to the Apostle Paul? Well, it's going to be deeper fellowship. It's going to be deeper worship. It's going to be deeper gratitude, all in the context of a growing self-control. And between us, there will be a deeper humility. And you know that verse, Ephesians 5.21. That's the verse that then leads on to the description of how people submit to one another in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it starts with saying, all of us submit to one another. I am phenomenally stupid. And, uh, and recently, I, somebody said, this was last week, I was in Sweden at the Torchborough Centre, and one of the staff there just said something to me that I'd never thought of before. And he said, when you submit to somebody, you put yourself under them. Yes. And the reason you put yourself under them is so that, so that you can support them. I had, that had never occurred to me. With submission, I'd always thought of submission as being, I put myself under you so you can tell me what to do. I've always, that's the way I've always thought of submission. It's about authority. It's about you telling me what to do, which it is. But it's, it's more significantly, I think, about me putting myself under another so that from beneath I can support them. I can love them. I can work out what they need. And, and I, I can be lifting them up in Christ's strength. That's That's submission. And we submit to one another. Now, I'm almost done. Um, the wheels are down. And the, and the runway's in sight, okay? Just have a look at this. What do you think it looks like to be a community like that? A community that is, is growing in, self, in personal and corporate self-control. It's not just all about me. I, I can subjugate my own desires for the good of others. What does it look like to be uh, a community that's loving fellowship? Loving fellowship with each other, has a spirit-driven desire to get together. I don't know, we might call that something like the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what would it look like for, to be in a community that loves that, to, to, to draw together, that loves to worship God together, that is growing not in criticalness but in gratitude to God and to one another, and that is in that kind of others-centered, others-supporting um, humility with each other. That's a pretty attractive community to be part of, isn't it? And that's you. This Pentecost Sunday, that's you. Let's just all be thirstier and thirsty for it. And I'm going to finish with this. Um, the Sunday Assembly is Atheist Church. Have you heard of this? It's been going for a few years, and uh, it was started in London, and it spread around the world. And it's, it's atheists who, who want some of the benefits of, 
of basically they say religion, but they mean Christianity. They want some of the benefits of Christianity without all the God stuff that goes with it. And and I had a friend in Exeter who'd called Ian, and one day he said to me, "Listen, you're always asking me to come to your Christian stuff, and I always come. Uh, it's time you came to something that I invited you to. Fine. What do you want me to come to? There's an atheist church starting in Exeter next Sunday. I want you to come with me. Ah, okay, I will. So eleven o'clock." We went to the Exeter, first ever meeting of the Exeter Sunday Assembly, and it looked a lot like this, but a lot smaller. So it was a semicircle of plastic chairs in a village hall with a screen and a projector and, uh, and a keyboard, and we sang three songs congregationally. Do you want to know what we sang? Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, uh, Daft Punk, Get Lucky, and uh, Elbow, It's Looking Like a Beautiful Day. Congregationally, with somebody on the keyboard, and stuff on the screen and then we had a testimony and there was a collection and there was a sermon and the sermon was the guy that founded it a comedian called Sanderson Jones and, he, and I remember it really clearly it was a great talk it was about how atheists too often stand on the diving board and they shout about how great it's been atheists but they actually jump off and swim and they wanted to jump off and swim they wanted to live better help often and wander more and on the Facebook page for the Exeter Sunday Assembly there were two guys, Tom and Matt, who'd founded it. This is why they said they'd founded it. Uh, this is Matt, I think. I've always been a bit jealous of religious types. Uh, every Sunday, they go to hang out with nice people. This is a description of what you're doing now. Uh, every Sunday, they get to hang out with nice people, eat excellent biscuits, I live in hope, and have a sing-song. Sometimes, I went along myself, but being an atheist, there seemed to be there was something I wasn't getting, an extra step I couldn't take. I loved it. I loved the people, the music, the place. I came out every week feeling ready for anything. But I couldn't bear that nagging sensation of being a faker. So I had what felt like an impossible idea in my head. How do you get that same feeling of community, that same excitement and purpose, without that little supernatural extra, he says. And his mate, Tom, said, I'm a big believer that we all have an innate desire within us to connect with other people, to be part of a community to laugh, to help, to wonder. I have a lot of Christian friends who, to be fair, get to experience that through the stuff they do with their church. So, hey, let's make that that same thing possible for those who don't necessarily want to have the rest of the churchy stuff that goes along with it. They met once a month on a Sunday morning in in one of the um, uh, servicemen's, ex-servicemen's halls in Exeter. Uh, how How many times do you reckon they met? Four. They, they, they lasted four months, and then f- four meetings, four monthly meetings, and then they stopped. And the reason they stopped was the people coming weren't giving enough money to fund the hall, and, uh, and they found out that it was really, really hard work. People had to turn up and set up PA and put biscuits out and, and all the other stuff, and they were finding that was really, really hard work. And, and they also found out that some quite difficult people started to come... <laughs> who seemed to expect some kind of pastoral provision. And they were not up for that. They really weren't up for that at all. They tried to do church without the Holy Spirit. They tried to ride a bike without the chain on. And it, it just didn't work. We, we often, I think, take for granted some of the daily evidences that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we've enjoyed lots and lots of them just this very morning. Let's, let's just stay hungry for him. Uh, last word goes to... A.W. Tozer, and he said this, every person 
is as full of the Holy Spirit as he or she wants to be. Every person is as full of the Holy Spirit as he or she wants to be. So the question for me is, this morning, and the question for you is, how full of the Spirit do you want to be? Because you have a Heavenly Father who loves to give you the Spirit. Let's pray. Let's pause just for a minute and, and allow the Spirit just to impress something on our hearts or our minds he wants us to be taking away this morning. Maybe something we've sung or, or heard in that lovely interview, something we've just heard from his word. Uh, we praise you, Father, Son, and Spirit. You are love. Within your very nature, you have been love for all eternity. You didn't create us because you were lonely. Uh, you created us because you love, and you love us. And we want to ask uh, your rich blessing upon us, Father, which we know you love to give. You love to give us, your children, good gifts. And, you, and specifically, you love to give us your Holy Spirit. So this morning, we ask for more of him. And if we ask for more of him, we know, Father, we're asking for more of you. And Lord Jesus, we're asking for more of you. And we want, as, as we become more and more transformed into the likeness of our creator, we want to grow in fellowship. We want this community to be more and more intimate with you and with each other. We want to grow in worship. We want our connection with you, living God, to be deeper and fuller and more and more sincere. We want uh, to grow, Father, in our mutual submission to one another. We want to grow in our sense of deep gratitude to you for everything. And it is our great longing, Lord, that more and more people would look in on this community and go, what are they doing? What have they got? Where is that hope and that life and that love coming from? And that as they see our love for each other, they would see that we actually love the Lord Jesus. And it is your spirit, Lord Jesus, that is our fuel and our sustenance and our living water, and our daily bread, and our hope. And we pray all these things for your glory and in your name. Amen.